Yeah, great display of the ecstasy and then the agony in sport. Nathan Lyon going down with a calf injury. What does that mean for Australia moving forward in this Ashes series? Joining us down the line to talk the latest in cricket from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast is Paul Dennett. Paul, good afternoon. Hey, Matt. How are you going? I'm doing very well, Paul. How about you? How have you enjoyed the first two days of the second test? Oh, it's been thrilling. I think that last night was one of the most exhilarating days of test cricket I've seen uh, in a long time. Um, and I think that the uh, very uh, traditional ground of law probably hasn't seen some of the, the chaotic batting that uh, England has produced in the, that final session uh, in its massive history. It was um, a, a stunning sort of day. Probably in the end, um, it was England's day, but it could have been a whole lot better because after the really sad injury to Nathan Lyon, Australia went on a kind of a, a bounce their attack to England and with fields deeply set as a kind of a, a, a last resort. And England, um, true to their baseball mantra, rather than maybe just kind of sensibly milking it for a few singles, um, took it on. And uh, Australia made some breakthroughs as a result. So it was it was scintillating stuff, not necessarily the, the smartest sort of stuff, but... Um, uh, yeah, can't wait for day three. Well, it looks as though we'll get a result as well, which is it's just great. Yeah, absolutely. I said the um, anyone who's a fan of a draw, and I don't know anyone who is, has certainly been disappointed by the um, <laughs> the captaincy of, of, of Ben Stokes because um, draws just don't seem to occur um, <laughs> under under his watch. Uh, Nathan Lyon, how, how big of a blow is this going to be for Australia? Not only in this test, but perhaps for for the series. Oh, it's a cruel, bro- a cruel blow. Um, I felt really um, sorry for him. I mean, the irony is that he, in this test, became the first ever bowler to play 100 consecutive test matches, which just emphasises how difficult it is. And then, to, uh, you know, the injury underlines that. Um, I, I think, obviously, in this test match, it's, a, it's a going to be um, a serious blow to Australia. Travis Head looked good in the small amount of time that he did get uh-huh. in the... Um, in, in, on day two. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that if, if the pitch, which is, is showing some signs of starting to spin, um, we've, we're reasonably well set up for something like this happening, given that we have got Travis Head, we've got Labashev, we've got Steve Smith, and of course in Cameron Green, um, we've got someone who can um, bowl a lot more overs than might have, might otherwise have been expected. So um, it's always a blow when a, a specialist player comes down with an injury and uh, you know, unlike other sports, you can't have a like-for-like replacement unless there's a, uh, a concussion. As for the rest of the series, it's going to be, um, you know, assuming that Nathan Lyon doesn't play the next test match, which is only three days after this one concludes, and potentially is in doubt for the, for the, for the whole series, it's going to be fascinating to see how Todd Murphy plays. He, he, you know, his um, brief career to date has been very impressive. Uh, so, an, you know, an incredible opportunity for him. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, looking forward to seeing Todd Murphy in action if he uh, if he does get picked. Well, what did you make of the selection of Mitch Stark coming in for, for Scotty Boland? I think maybe the Aussies potentially mixed it up in regards to the first and the second test. Yeah, probably in hindsight, you, you, you would agree with that. Um, I personally um, kind of expected that they would pick Stark in place of Boland for this test match and I can see why they did but I, I myself would have preferred to stay with Boland I think that yeah. he's had one bad test match in um, you know his amazing career short short career but amazing career to date and the, the slope at Lords uh, is just tailor-made for, for his style of bowling um, so 
yes, he was expensive at Edgbaston, and they certainly would have attacked him just as they attacked um, uh, all of the Australian bowlers uh, on day two. Uh, I just think that um, bowling would have been very difficult to handle uh, on this pitch. Okay, let's get into the batting. Steve Smith, uh, 110, and uh, looked pretty angry after his dismissal. Um, probably thought he, he should have kept going, but um, certainly looked as good as he's looked out there for a, a couple of years at test level. Yeah, he's just, uh, what a superstar. I mean, um, <laughs> but you're right. His, his reaction of utter disappointment and devastation as he walked off, you'd have thought he got a duck. Um, you know, I think it's partially that he just loved batting so much that he knew that he was now going to have to sit in the dressing room and uh, not batting. <laughs> Although, knowing him, he probably went out the back and had a net. Um, oh, just a... Um, Superb performance to go along with the century he scored uh, in the test match before last in the World Test Championship final. And, you know, most players, even if they do manage to get an average as high as his now is, it drops away. But he has just continued to to keep it there. And his average nudging 60 uh, is just incredible. And he's now passed 9,000 test runs. Uh, His case that he's making is, is, you know, Potentially the second greatest test batter of all time is continuing to get stronger. And it's, um, I just love watching him batter. You get this sense of you're watching true greatness, and it's a, it's a privilege to see. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, David Warner, earlier on in the innings, out for 66. Pretty tough dismissal. Josh Tung, it was uh, nicely done by him. But, um, yeah, David Warner, I thought he, he looked pretty good, actually. Yeah, he looked really good. And it took... I think to date is the ball of the series to get him out. Yeah. I think that every batter, every batter in the world uh, would have been dismissed by that ball. Yeah. Um, it kind of raised the question as why wasn't there a little bit more of that from England on day one, that they were a little bit more than a little bit were, were quite disappointing with the way that they bowled on day one. And tongue was their, their standout. Um, and it's to England's credit that they did hit back on that second morning that they managed to wrap Australia up without conceding, too much uh, extra damage and really got themselves back into the game. And then their opening partnership went along at such a rate that um, they were none for 80. And I, I checked on the betting. They were already had, had already switched across to favourites. So the game can turn quite quickly. Yeah, it, it certainly can. Uh, just a couple of other batting performances I wanted to touch on. Uh, Travis Head, Trav Ball, he's playing his, his own sort of brand at the moment. 77 off of 73. He does it so often where he just plays such an aggressive style coming off the back of, you know, the likes of a Warner, Kawaja, Labashain, Steve Smith, who play that bit more traditional style, a bit slower. Trav Head can so often come in and, and just really elevate um, the, the process for Australia. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I thought it was a wonderful little, little innings. And, you know, the, um, he, he's been so successful and, and so aggressive since his return to the side. But this was on a Lord's wicket that had a bit of, um, you know, a bit of juice in it um, under leaden skies for much of the time against a, a quality bowling attack. Um, that's a, a really important innings. And he just, um, he, he took the game away from England. And it's almost like sides don't know how to handle him, that they, they tend to, to spray it around because of the, uh, you know, they, they know that if they miss their line of length by anything, they're going to go get pumped to the boundary. And he just keeps on doing it and, yeah, as much as Steve Smith, as I was saying, second greatest batter of all time, potentially, at the moment, um, uh, you, you could almost argue that Travis Head's the most valuable batter we've got. Yeah, uh, Pat Cummins could also be the same uh, at the moment in his sort of form. Um, yeah, he's uh, 22 and not out once again. 
yes, uh, yesterday. And, um, <laughs> geez, Pat Cummins, he maybe should uh, be looking at moving up in the order the way he's, uh, he's batting right now. But, um, yeah, England did go in. Uh, ben Duckett was pretty good with, uh, with a 98, eventually uh, bowled by Hazelwood. Um, then we had a couple of quick wickets in Pope and, and Root, but uh, Brook and Stokes seem to get England back on track. So currently it's Brook uh, not out for 45 and, and Stokes not out for 17. Uh, the, the stumping by Alex Carey, how good was, was he and, and his performance um, as a wicket keeper? I think he just keeps on improving. Yeah, he does. And it was a really important moment. It was a, a, um, a good ball from Nathan Lyon, uh, kind of against the run of play at the time because Crawley was looking in, in, in no danger. And, as I said, England were um, already had clicked the cross into favourites, and that wicket kind of pushed Australia back in. And it was a, it was um, it was pretty crucial. Um, I, I think that what then followed was an extraordinary passage of play. That that um, those wickets that you described off the short balls, where the Australians are bowling bouncer after bouncer, and England are just taking it on and taking it on. They lost three wickets to the bouncer. They also had a wicket off a no ball to the bouncer. They had. Um, Harry, Book, Harry Brook dropped by Manus Labuschagne right. at square leg off a bouncer as well. Uh, it's the sort of tactic that, you know, I was listening to um, Glenn McGrath talk about it and saying that had England just um, uh, put their egos behind themselves and um, defended and played sensibly, after about eight or ten overs, Australia would have had to abandon that tactic and and gone back to plan, plan A. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's... The, the English commentators are very, very disappointed that although England did have a good day, they had a chance to really bat themselves into a position of, of significant strength, and they, they just didn't quite do that. And as things stand, it's much more evenly poised. So what's your prediction heading into the weekend? Uh, England are full for 278 with six wickets in hand. Um, Nathan Lyon goes down. So what's your prediction? Well, um <laughs> The, the, that last partnership where Harry Brook was playing like it was baseball, uh, and at the other end, Ben Stokes actually w- was playing very conservatively. Uh, I, I think that in the in, in day three they will come out, they will play with aggression, um, they will get um, maybe a little bit of a lead. It's going to be fascinating to see what Australia do in their second innings, whether whether Australia want to give England any sort of target because. England have said they're not playing for a draw. So if Australia set them at seven and over in the in the final innings, they will go for that. So uh, my prediction is, I've got absolutely no idea, but <laughs> I, I do think that England are on top. And my prediction, uh, for what it's worth, is that England are going to square the series. All right. Uh, a lot to look forward to across the weekend. How good is this? Uh, day number three coming up a bit later on this evening at Lords, and uh, it's so well poised right now. Uh, Paul, a pleasure, as always. Thank you very much for, for taking the time, and uh, enjoy your weekend. Will do. You too, Matt. Thank you. There he goes. Paul Dennett from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. A pleasure, as always.